So please stand for the reading of God's word from Psalm 120. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Thanks, Andrea. Well, we are beginning a new series this morning. If you are a visitor or joining us for the first time, you've come at a great time because we're all starting something new together. We're starting a new series that we're calling Songs of Ascent, featuring what's only gonna get to be the first half of a section of the book of Psalms that cover Psalm 120 to 134. We'll go from 120 here to 126 by the end of the summer. But this group of psalms are something that's understood by commentators to be somewhat of a pilgrim songbook for the ancient people of God. Songs that they would sing, this is poetry meant to be sung, as they slowly made their way up to Jerusalem for the three annual festivals that took place each year as religious pilgrims. They would go up for the Passover, in the spring, which is now when we celebrate Easter. They would go up for Pentecost in early summer. They would go up for the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths in the early fall. These three festivals centered the communal life of the people of God as a rescued people, as they remembered the Passover, a commanded and directed and sent out people in the Pentecost, and a blessed and cared for people in the Feast of Tabernacles and ingathering they told and retold the story of who this people was. And so these 15 psalms or songs prepared the hearts of the people of God for their anticipated meeting together with God with all the gathered people that would normally throughout the other times of the year be scattered. And in the ancient world, you weren't running into people that lived farther away on the coast or in the inlands. This was a time where for a few days together, you were all one people gathered under the one story, under the care of the one God. And it became something that was not just that moment, but as they sung these songs, even the journey became part of that gathering, part of that story and retelling the story of their connection with God's deliverance, his commandment, his blessing. And as one author, Eugene Peterson, points out in his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, these psalms can be used to the same effect in our lives, to sharpen our hunger for God on the long, slow, patient road of discipleship in growing in our relationship to God. They can be used to develop what Peterson calls this long obedience in the same direction where we, like pilgrims, keep walking the same path over time because the path itself, not just the destination, is what's begun to shape the desire of our hearts. We long to be on the way to God as we learn to pursue something worth living for in this life. Our world is full of things that fade and don't last. 
things that feel like they don't carry out what they thought or what you thought they were going to bring to us. These things, I'm hoping this series, these psalms, will start to teach us how to lean into a hunger for a greater life. And so today we begin our ascent on this pilgrim journey to God through Psalm 120, the first song of ascent, focusing on just two things, uh, the regret that starts something new in verses 5 to 7, and second, the call that gets you out in verses 1 to 4. So the regret that starts something new and the call that gets you out. But before we get into that, would you bow your heads and pray with me as we ask God to fill up our hearts? God, we are, like this scripture, an open book before you. We are not walled off. We are not somehow beyond your reach. Our stories are not somehow beyond your redemption, beyond your grace, beyond your power, beyond your care. We are in all ways open before you, God, and yet we can feel closed off. We can feel distant We can feel like we've made that distance ourselves. We can feel like you've made that distance between us. We can feel like others have made that distance between us. But whatever it is, God, would you bring our hearts back to that one reality this morning that we are open before you and that you hear our cries, you know our story, and you are gathering us in as your people. And so we pray this morning that you would do that by your grace. Would you loom large in our hearts? Would you be present, Holy Spirit? Would you speak? that your people might hear. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, feel free to have them open. If not, there should be one in the pew in front of you that you can use, or feel free uh, to just listen along as we go through. But we'll reference the text this morning. We're going to begin with a regret that starts something new. We're going to begin at the end of the psalm. The psalmist here, if we look at these verses, is in a real place of pain. The psalms are a great place to go if you are feeling pain and frustration, distress, longing before God. They give us a voice for the things that sometimes our hearts just can't articulate. The psalmist is feeling deep anguish, even something like distress and regret, because he's found himself feeling something like uh, a wanderer. Verse 5 says he sojourns. And that's a word that means something like a wanderer or a refugee, someone that's been displaced. You're not at your home anymore. You're in a place that's not customary for you, doing things that aren't customary for you around a people who you don't know. He's someone that feels detached from their home, like they're in a strange place. And he uses faraway places to try to to paint this picture of how he's feeling. He says he feels like he's in Meshech, which would have been in the very far northern regions, well beyond Israel, somewhere up by Turkey today, or in Kedar, an area far south of Israel. He's using them to illustrate just how far he feels from home. Then the ancient world, this might as well have been Singapore to some other region of Alaska. It's probably too hard in the ancient world to live in those two places so far apart, so it seems like he's using them poetically to say he feels stretched thin. It feels like he is not rooted. He doesn't have a place to rest. He is always on the move. He has no comfort. He is just struggling. He's far from the place and the people of God. That's what those places suggest to us. And he's not happy about that. 
You could feel happy about that. A few months back, we talked about the parable of the prodigal sons. The younger son was very happy to be in a far-off country, but here you have someone that is deeply distressed to be far from God. Verses 5 through 7 feature language of struggle. Verse 5, he says, Woe to me that I sojourn. That's language similar to a curse, that that I am gone. I am in so much trouble. Verse 6 says, too long have I dwelt. Verse 7 says, I am for peace, but they want to fight. Life is not going the way that he would hoped it would go in a time when he feels like he is far from home. He has fewer supports, fewer structures to care for him, and yet this is what he's facing. And it seems like it's not going the way he'd want, not simply because of what other people are doing to him. Verse 7 But verse 6, and that phrase, too long, suggests there's a choice that he's made that's led to what he feels today. That this has gone on for too long. Maybe he's put it off or ignored it for too long. He hasn't dealt with it. He has just let it fester. He hasn't taken the steps he's needed to take to get out of this mess. Maybe, Maybe he's even chosen it in some sense for himself. And now he wants to do something about it. But it feels like all that surrounds him is things that keep him right where he is. It's fighting, verse 7. It's attempts to distort and manipulate his views of reality, verse 2. That's what lying does. It detaches us from reality so that we don't know the truth. He wants to be out, but he is facing fighting and manipulation that keep him where he is. It's a situation that it seems like he genuinely regrets being in. He has found himself somewhere he does not want to be. Maybe some of that is familiar to you. Pain, struggle, regret, finding yourself somewhere you don't want to be. Living in a way that you don't want to live, feeling like you are fighting just to figure out what is true around you, standing in a place you regret, doing things you regret, maybe regretting something that's long past you, a relationship, regretting a pervasive sin that just keeps going with you no matter how many different places you move, no matter how many different things you try, a destructive habit that keeps following you, that keeps breaking your relationships with people. Maybe there's some regret in how you use your words, how you use your money, your time, Maybe it's regretting a way of relying on yourself to get something done when the facts say that you can't do it on your own and you could actually use a little bit of help. You might be asking yourself if any of those things resonate with you. Something like the psalmist seems to be asking himself, which is, how did I get here? How is this my reality? How did I end up in this mess. Contrary to what you might expect the Word of God to say to you in a moment like that, this first song, this song of ascent for the pilgrim trail back 
to being gathered together as the people of God shows that this kind of lamenting, this kind of regretting is not the end of your story with God. It's actually what gets your journey started. It's not the end of the road. It's what actually sets us out on the first step of the pilgrimage of the Christian life, what drives you out to take steps along it because, as Eugene Peterson says, a person has to be thoroughly disgusted with the way things are to find the motivation that they need to set out on the Christian life. What moves us back to God is finding ourselves exactly like the psalmist does, asking, how did I get here? Why am I here? So despite what we might expect, this, this regret, this longing to not be where you find yourself today is actually a first step on the journey back to God. It is not your final step on a journey away from God. As Peterson points out, this first step is what we in the Christian faith call repentance. And that, in God's eyes, is a beautiful thing. Peterson helps us understand a little more of what this means because he says repentance is not just feeling sorry for your mistakes. It is actually a deciding. It's deciding that you have been wrong and supposing that you can manage life on your own and be your own God. Repentance is a realization that God, that what God wants from you and what you want from God are not going to be achieved by doing the same old things, thinking the same old thoughts, but by following Jesus Christ and becoming his pilgrim on the path of peace. In other words, repentance in Christianity is coming to the conclusion that this is not where you want to be, but there is a way forward from here by the grace of God. It is a deciding that you have been going the wrong way and that there is hope to go a different way. So if you found yourself in the seat of Psalm 120, or if you will find yourself there, again, which you undoubtedly will in this life, the psalm says to you, not get out of here. I'm disgusted with you. That is not what Scripture says to the person that finds himself in this place. It says something more like, welcome to the journey, fellow pilgrim. I'm glad to have you. It's time to start walking. That's what this psalm does for those of us who are experiencing regret and brokenness and difficulty. It says, welcome to the journey. Let's get started. So how do we do that? How do we get started on this pilgrim journey if this psalm is something like a kick in the seat to get us moving along the life with God? How do we get out of that place where we feel stuck, where we feel like all we're doing is fighting, where no one understands us and we can't understand anything? How do we get out of that situation? We're going to loop back to the top, to verses 1 through 4. We're going to talk about the call that gets you out of this regret that starts to lead you home. The psalmist, in their distress, begins the pilgrim journey out of their regret by, by doing everything themselves, by fighting all these battles, by finally figuring out what's true and what's not. No, it starts with just 
in my distress, I, what I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Verses 1 through 2 go on to say, Deliver me, O Lord. It's something like, Save my soul. Help me, God. I need you. From, from the lies that are disconnecting, from, disconnecting me from reality, save me from that, from, from the attacks that are there when all I want to do is make peace. This call from verse 1 to 2 fits so perfectly as an answer to the distress that gets expressed in the later verses as the next step forward because the call of repentance, where it leads you to go next, when you've recognized that you're walking the wrong way but you have hope for a different way, what you do next is exactly what verse 2 says. You call on God and you say, deliver me. Save me. I am tired of looking to myself. I am tired of relying on myself. I'm tired of being far from you. Bring me back. Bring me near. I need something new. The way I'm doing this is not working. It's been years. It's clear that it's not working. I'm very far away from you. It's clear that what I'm doing is not working. I need you to deliver me. It's directing you to find what you are missing in that place of regret, which is God. The psalmist is calling out because he feels far from God. He doesn't have the presence of God. He's not with the people of God. What he's missing is God. So what he calls out to is not himself. It's God. To get out of the place where you are far from God, whether that's all the way in the farthest reaches of the ancient world to the north or to the south, where the problem is living among a people and perhaps being one of those people himself, trying to manage life his own way, the way the psalmist gets out of this, the way that we get out of this, is simply to call on God, which is maybe the most offensive and also most reassuring thing that we could do. Right? You might feel like, how dare you? How dare you make it that simple for someone? I have worked my whole Christian life to be an upright person, to be moral, to be thoughtful, to do what is asked of me. How dare you make it that simple? No. But God in his grace says, yeah, it has to be that way because those things are not me. Relationship is me. I give you commandments to show you what relationship is like. But when we follow just the commandments and forget the relationship, we have neither. It's about the heart with God. It's about simply calling on him. When you are far from God, the answer is just God. It doesn't alleviate all the pain. The psalmist can cry out this way and still think about all the things that are in front of him, still think about all the difficulties. This is not a snap your fingers and everything will be fine call, but it is what? It's the first step forward towards that deliverance. We talked about how, how Eugene Peterson references in this book that this is a journey. This is about progress. He also says in his book that we have in our culture an expectation of right now that I fix this right now, that anything worth having I can have quickly, I can get a shortcut to. And he says, no. It is a long road to having the things that you want. Calling out to God does not move you there tomorrow, but it is what starts moving you towards having what you want. So many people are so willing to work for something that you want. 
You'll put focus, you'll put energy into it. I know many of us in here have a lot of alphabet soup behind our names that say we've been willing to work for something for a long time. The Christian life is no different. It takes time to get where you want to go, but this is how we get to where we want to go, by calling out to God. The hunger and the solution are actually one in the same. The thing you want is the thing that saves you. That's God. The answer is to call on God and be saved from the distance you feel from God. Call on God. Deliver me, Lord, is the first step. And that's not just the message of Psalm 20. It's the exact same message that the prophet Joel would preach, that Peter preached at Pentecost, that Paul preached in his letter to the Romans, chapter 10. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is the way to be brought near the Lord. Paul is an expert on working hard to get ahead in religiosity. And after all that, at the end of a long life, building up his pedigree for being someone that ought to be recognized, ought to deserve to be brought near to God, he says what? He doesn't say do everything you can. He says those who call on the Lord will be saved. Simply call on him. That's the continual message of Scripture for those living in regret. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 11, Paul says, If you just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, not me, Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. This is the call, Paul is saying, that gets you out, that sets you out on this journey, that lets you put your regret and shame behind you, not in front of you, that lets it not be the end of your story but the beginning because Christ let himself be stuck in the place that the psalmist feels stuck here so that you and I might get out. It let himself be swallowed up by your shame in his death on the cross where he was made a wanderer and a stranger as one bearing our sins, alienated and distant from God the Father as far as the north would be from the south. A place where on the cross he was not delivered in the midst of lying lips, from those who were for war when he was for peace, where he called out to the Father, deliver, but he did not get the answer. Because he was standing, if you believe in him, in your place. And there is no answer of deliverance for sin. God loves and God cares and God is also not going to, because of those things, overlook what is broken. Those things must be dealt with. He is not going to answer and become corrupt. He's going to give no answer to sin and Jesus was standing there in our place as those who deserved no answer, who deserved not to be heard. That feeling you have of I don't deserve that in some small way is correct, but that is not the end point for you. That is the beginning of repentance and walking forward because on the, Christ, on the cross, Jesus took all of that for you. He stayed put so that you and I could move. He stayed stuck so that you and I could get out. He was frozen there, nailed there even, so that you and I could take off the shackles and bonds that we feel in our sin to walk freely with God. 
simply by calling on his name to be saved, no matter how far away you are, no matter how distant in time you are. This is the call that gets you out. Deliver me, God. I can't do this on my own. So how do we start on this pilgrim journey back to God a little bit more practically if this is what we are called to do, to call out to God, to say no to the way that we have been living and yes to something new because the old things aren't working and the old things won't work. We need something new. How do we start living into this? I want to encourage us to do two things, to call out and to step out. I want to encourage you to, to call out in your wandering to God. Where have you been wandering far from God? Where's that part of yourself, your heart, that you don't like to talk about? That you don't like to think about? That makes you very sad? That makes you feel very ashamed, very alone? Where is that place? That's just too much to handle on your own. As if you could have handled it on your own, you would have. It would be gone. It wouldn't be dogging you year after year. Where is that? Where is that dark place? Talk to God about that place. Bring that out into the light. Let him have the fullness of what's on your heart about that. Say exactly how you feel, exactly what's wrong with that, exactly why you are broken by that, why you don't want to tell anyone else about that. Let that out. To get out of that place of regret and being stuck, you have to call out. You have to let it out. You have to get help from God. And more often than not, the way that God helps us is organically through one another. And he delights to let us be part of his deliverance. And so the calling out that we have to do is not just to God, but also to God in one another. Trust one person that you know deserves to hear your story, that's shown you that they care about you, that they will not reject you. Just even start to get around the outskirts of what that thing is you have a hard time talking about. Whether that's a counselor, whether that's a friend, family member, whatever it may be, let that out. Because you cannot do it on your own. And slowly widen that circle until you actually start to get out. Until the community lifts you up out of that by the power of God. Do that maybe for the first time today. If you have never called out to God, you've never wanted to speak to him about anything, or maybe you've really wanted to give him everything you could possibly think to throw at him, talk to him. Say, I don't know what this is. I don't even know what you are, but this is not working. Save me. Help me. Call out to him. Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And secondly, don't just call out, but step out in faith. If you call on the name of the Lord for grace, have faith that you will actually be saved. Put your weight on his saving. It doesn't mean that there won't be consequences for what you're coming out from. It doesn't mean that there won't be pain. 
It doesn't mean that there won't be hardship. But repentance isn't about, I want to say this very clearly, repentance is not about getting rid of consequences. That's not repentance. That's about avoiding pain. Repentance is about getting rid of a life you don't want to live. That's repentance. It's not the consequences. It's, I don't want to be this person. I don't want to be in these things. I don't want where this is going to be my future. It's about turning away from one destination towards another, even if that means a dramatic cost. Even if that means paying a very high price, you don't care because you don't want to be there anymore. You want to be somewhere else. And whatever it costs to do that thing, you want to pay that price. You're willing to pay that price. So step out in faith that whatever it costs, that God is the one who can deliver me, that being with God is what I want, being somewhere that all I have to do is call out, not do all the right things, say all the right things, look the right way, be with the right people, that all all I have to do is call on him and not me, and I will be saved. Put your faith on that, on that place, on that God, not some other God that will ask so much more than you want to pay and give you so much less than you hope to have. Because that price, the price of following Jesus, is so worth the journey. Because if Christ was willing to suffer all of that to get you out, how sweet must it be to be out? How valuable must it be to belong to him? How much are you worth? How much is it a beautiful thing to him that all you have to do is call on him, that he will go through all that? Look at Jesus and trust and step out in faith that if God is willing to do that for me, it must really be worth it. Trust that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray. I'd like to leave a little time for you to respond in your hearts to some of the things that we've just talked about, to some of the things that have been said or sung in our service. Maybe thanking God for delivering you no matter where you are, no matter where you have been. Maybe confessing the ways that, that you've kind of wanted to stay far off, that you still want to do it your way a little bit. You still feel bound to those things. Just ask God to lift you up, to, to bring you to starting out that journey, to returning to that journey, to real repentance, to changing the direction of your life. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you hear us when we pray, that you in your own word invite us to say, deliver me, save me. I can't do this. Would you be near each of the hearts that have said that this morning? Would you show them your grace? In your name we pray, amen.